So this morning, we continue with the series. It's going to be a short series, just three services. And Pastor Desmond gave us an overview. The series is First Things First. Priorities. When something is more important than another thing, that thing is your priority. So first things first. Let's challenge ourselves, what really is my priority? First things first is an overview, a snapshot of the book of Haggai. I'm Filipino, so it's Haggai. If I'm Caucasian, it's Haggai. And it's easier to pronounce Haggai. Right? So, what's the timeline? What is the timeline of what we're going to share this morning? In 586 BC, which is before Christ, the fall of the southern kingdom, the destruction of the temple, and the exile of the Jews, according to 2 Kings 24 and 25. The Israelites initially had no king, but they insisted on having a king because they compared themselves with the other nations. Why do they have a king? Babylon has a king. Assyria has a king. They have a king. We don't have a king. And God said, okay, if you want to have a king, you're not happy with me as your Lord, okay, I'll give you a king. So it began that God allowed them to have kings. Who was the first king? King Saul. He became proud and the kingdom was removed from him. And God raised up King David, a man after his own heart. David, a man after his own heart, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He organized the murder of Uriah, Bathsheba's wife. Sabi ko sa inyo, you're awake eh. <laughs> Uriah, Bathsheba's wife. But this is according to God, a man after his own heart. Why? Because King David did not repeat. Once he was convicted by the word of God, he repented and he did not repeat the same mistake. But sin has its consequences. He was not able to finish the temple because God told him, your hands are filled with blood. So you are not going to finish the temple. It is your son, King Solomon, who will finish the temple. But King David, because he loved God so much, even if he knew that he was not going to finish the temple, he provided all the gold, the silver, the wood, all the articles needed to complete the temple. And then it was time for King Solomon to finish the temple. And when it had been completed, King Solomon declared a fast. They were going to dedicate the temple to the Lord. And the Lord God told King Solomon, he asked him, what do you desire? If God were to ask you, what do you want? You have the God of the universe asking you what you want. And King Solomon 
He just asked, Will you give me wisdom to lead your people? Fathers, ask God. God, will you give me the wisdom to lead my family? So God told King Solomon, because you have only asked wisdom, I will make you the wisest man who ever lived. And I will also make you the richest man. Because you could have asked for riches, but you did not. You only asked for wisdom. So I will make you the wisest man on earth, and I will also make you the richest man on earth. The problem was, the heart of King Solomon was not totally divided, was not totally to God. He had a divided heart. And he married the Egyptian. He had several wives and concubines, and his heart was taken away from his full and complete devotion to God. So king after king after king came. A bad king followed by a good king, followed by a bad king. And then finally God allowed the people, the Jews, to be overcome and to be overtaken because they had Dividing themselves already. There was a northern kingdom. There was a southern kingdom. That's why you have Israel. And then you have Judah on the other side. Because they were not totally devoted to God. So God allowed them to be overtaken. So the southern kingdom fell. The temple that King Solomon built was destroyed. And then in 538 B.C., the Jews returned from exile. You see, God allowed them. He said, there will, be, there will be a remnant. A remnant that will return. From the land which you came, you were taken to Babylon and all that, but there will be a remnant that will return. So in 538, the Jews returned. In 536, in the book of Ezra, chapter 3 and 4, chapter three and four God commanded Ezra to start rebuilding the temple. In 530, the rebuilding of the temple stopped. They had started to rebuild, but then it stopped. In 520, Haggai delivers his message from God in Haggai chapter 1. And in 515 BC, the temple, the second temple, was completed. So this is the timeline. This is the snapshot of what we're looking at this morning. Where did this temple and where did this rebuilding start from? So here, our topic is first things first. We have to prioritize. And what are we going to look at this morning first? We need to prioritize God's plan. Many are the, heart, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. So we need to prioritize God's plan over our plan. We need to prioritize God's perspective. We have our own ideas about how things need to get done. But God has His perspective. Are we effective? We need to prioritize performing God's will. Hudson Taylor said, God's will done, done God's way will never lack God's supply or His abundance. Lastly, we need to prioritize God's presence. Is God's presence important to us? 
I hope it is. Now, what do you see? If, if it's like in a magazine, you know, sometimes they'll have this like a puzzle. Oh, how many squares do you see? <laughs> right? That's not the puzzle. This is called Eisenhower's Quadrant. Okay? Eisenhower, Eisenhower's Quadrant. You have the urgent. You have the important. Oh, you have the not urgent. You have the important and the not important. So this is your quadrant. This is how you decide. This is how you prioritize things. So there are things that are both urgent and important. This is not going to be complete. This is really up to you. But crisis, that is urgent. Your appendix is about to explode. Right? Just drink tea. <laughs> Deadline-driven projects. When your deadline is July 30, what day is it today? July 29. I hope your project is near finished. Commitments. I'm going to your birthday party. What did I just do? I gave you a commitment. So that is important and that is urgent. Because you, once I miss your birthday, I have to wait 365 days. Right? Second quadrant, not urgent but important. Planning. That's important. Right? It takes a little while. So it's not necessarily I have to start planning today. It may take several days. Mentoring. Teaching somebody. Training somebody. Family. That's, that's important, right? It's not always urgent, but family is important. Rest and recreation. Ah, some people here, that is both important and urgent because Sunday is my only day to play golf. Okay? Now you decide if that is the truth or not. Now, there are certain things that are urgent but not important. Interruptions. Certain meetings. Certain invitations. When we say OC, what usually comes to mind? Obsessive, compulsive, right? For me, Orange County, yeah, you can do that too. For me, I used to tell my ministry partners in the Philippines, don't be OC. What's OC? Overcommit. You are committed to this. You are committed to that. You want to uh, teach Bible over there. You want to teach Bible over here. You want to participate in that ministry over there. You also want to do this. Last time I checked, everybody has the same 24 hours. Right? So don't overcommit. You have to see which is important, which is not important, which is urgent and pressing that needs to be addressed now, which is not. Lastly, not important and not urgent. Oh, why are you hehe? <laughs> Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Some of you are attending worship service, you're Instagram. You're on Facebook. Some of you maybe are even shopping. 
Amazon, buy one click now. That's it. TV, Netflix, gaming. That's not really important, right? Young people, if you have studies, but you prioritize gaming over your studies, what could potentially happen? You're going to be good at games, but your grades are going to suffer. Right? So this is a tool that can help you discern. Is this really important? This is urgent or this is really not important? Some of you have taken pictures of it. Fine, good. This will also be on the internet. No problem. This is Eisenhower's quadrant. This will help you make decisions in what really is your priority. So first, we'll take a look at God's plan. First things first. What is God's plan? Let's read. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of, wow, shelter, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of, okay, and the high priest, saying, now, it's the same. Now, the word of the Lord came to Darius. In the second year of Darius. Now, who is Darius? Darius is the king. In the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Remember, I showed you the timeline? When did this start? In the book of Ezra. Now, in the first king. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the prophet, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. What do you notice? Cyrus is a pagan king. Yet, when the Lord our God commands kings and princes even if they are not followers and believers of God, what do they do? They obey. They follow. And look, he recognized the Lord, the God of heaven, who gave me all the kingdoms, has given me the task to rebuild him a temple. And not only did he proclaim it, he put it in writing. Verse 3, whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. What did he do? He let the Israelites, those of you in my kingdom, who are Jews, 
This is your God. I'm letting you go. I'm releasing you so that you can go back to Jerusalem and complete rebuilding the temple. So whose plan is this temple rebuilding? It's God's plan. And God used pagan kings to effect His will. It is my desire that the temple that King Solomon built that was destroyed will be rebuilt. God, how are we going to do it? We are in captivity. Don't worry. I will speak to the kings and I will stir their heart so that they will release you so that you can accomplish my will. Whose plan? God's plan. Next, we have God's perspective. God has a plan. He has already set His plan in motion. From the time of Nehemiah to the time of King Cyrus, now it is in the second year of King Darius. Right? So, there's a lot of time that have already elapsed from the time that God told the people that His temple be rebuilt. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say, The time has not come. Even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. What are they saying? Not yet time. No need to rush. No need to prioritize. It's not important. It will happen. Just not now. In their mind, it's not yet time to rebuild. But what did God say? Rebuild. In their mind, in their perspective, not yet time to rebuild. In God's perspective, God said, the temple must be rebuilt. Now look at this. If we don't want to obey, we have a thousand excuses. If we want to do it, we will find many ways to do it. Yes or no? Yes. In Tagalog, kapag ayaw, maraming dahilan. Kapag gusto, maraming paraan. If there is a will, there is a way. But if you do not like to do it, you will also find a way not to do it. God said, build the temple. The people, in his perspective, delayed na. In the people's perspective, no need to rush. So what happened in Ezra chapter 4? Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, the king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So what happened? God told them to rebuild the temple. But what happened? There were people who discouraged them. Just like Noah. Noah, what are you building? An ark. What is an ark? It is a boat. Why are you building a boat? Because it's going to rain. And there's going to be a flood. And all of you are going to die. Noah, are you crazy? 
there is no such thing as rain, and there is no such thing as flood. So you are out of your mind. Now, if you are Noah, it takes you approximately 100 years to finish the ark. There are people there mocking and discouraging you. Build a temple, and then you have all of these discouragements. Do you have discouragements? You want to do something for God. You want to get your family closer to God. And there are discouragements happening along the way. And maybe you get tempted to give up. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that for many years. Nothing seems to be happening. I think I just give up. Well, my friends, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says this. And I appreciate our brother TJ for sharing his heart preparation this morning. In this you greatly rejoice even now for a little while, if necessarily you have been distressed by various trials. Our heart preparation this morning from, was from the book of James. Consider it pure joy, my friends, when you go undergo trials of many kinds, of various kinds. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, it says, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God may allow discouragements along the way. But God's plan will come to fruition. Whether you and I cooperate with it or not, it will come to fruition. So I suggest to you, cooperate with God. Don't insist on your own perspective because God has His own perspective. God says, it is time. You say, it's okay. There's a lot of time. Whose perspective, whose will needs to be accomplished? God's. So prioritize His plan and prioritize His perspective. And if you align your plan to God's plan, if you align your perspective to God's perspective, the next thing you need to do is to prioritize performing God's will. Because even in today, we say that justice denied, justice delayed is justice denied. Obedience delayed is? We know it, right? We know it here. But we have a problem prioritizing performing God's will. How many of you do your matrix with your family? The intentional discipleship matrix. Don't raise your hand because you might be embarrassed. How many of us do our family devotions once a week? Is there a delay in performing God's will for you? How many of you are applying Philippians 2, 3 to 8? Let alone how many of you have actually memorized it as we have encouraged you to do. Pastor, I memorized already. Really? Yes. Do nothing. That's it. Prioritize performing God's will. As soon as the Lord brings conviction to your heart, whatever it is, do it. 
I'll share with you a personal example. When uh, this was around December of 2009, when my wife's doctor told her, uh, and then she told me, uh, in song, uh, doctor said uh, for us to meet with him. I said, why am I included? Well, he, he wants to discuss about my condition. And then we went to his office, and then he said, Mr. Nolan, I want to start to prepare your wife for dialysis. Huh? Huh? What do you mean you will prepare my wife for dialysis? I thought we were monitoring all of her lab works, and we were okay. Yeah, but what should have been up went down, and what should have been down went up. So we need to prepare her for dialysis. Uh, doctor, can I just bring my wife to the United States for a second opinion? We have not reached the basement parking of the hospital. I already told my wife, you call your sister, ask if we can stay with her. We are going to the United States. And she told me, you make a decision very fast. I said, yes. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, this is what God told His people. You are still praying? I already showed you the way. What are you still praying about? Stop praying and start moving. Many times, God already shows us what to do. Are you doing it? I'm still praying for it, Pastor. Well, you lost your job. Have you applied for a new job so that you can pay your bills, feed your family? I'm praying. Have you at least prepared your CV? Huh? Not CVS, CV. I'm still praying about it, Pastor. I mean, I, 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 I ask God, why at the age of 50 will I discover that I am a United States citizen? Why and why now? Why not earlier? Right? And then God shows me the answer. Because your wife needs to go to the U.S. for dialysis. So when am I going to obey? I have to prioritize obeying, performing God's will. And God's will continues to be revealed. We came here for medical reasons. Why do we have this? Because it is God's will that we put up CCFLA. Was that in the horizon of my thinking? No. My idea was to get my wife over to the U.S. for medical treatment. But God had another plan. How did CCFLA birth? Pastor Danny went to the hospital, and then he asked, what are we doing? I said, I'm in the hospital taking care of my wife. No, 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 what are we doing? Why did God send us here? I said, what do you mean? Maybe we should put up CCFLA. That was in February. Pastor Peter came here in July. We talked to him. We asked permission. He gave us his blessing. 
That was eight years ago. Because we prioritize performing God's will. Do not delay. Haggai 1, verse 3, 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, by the prophet, Haggai the prophet saying, It is time for you yourselves. Is it time? For you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? You are living in nice houses, says the Lord. But the temple remains in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your way, evaluate your way. What is more important to you to, for you to live in your nice, cool, luxury homes, paneled houses, while the Lord's house lies in ruins? Because that is your perspective. And because you choose to delay performing God's will. Look, you have sown so much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. Okay, don't get drunk, okay? You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put in a purse with holes. Consequence of disobeying God. You are never satisfied because you would prefer to prioritize your own will and desire over what God wants for you to accomplish. Isn't this frustrating? You work, and when you get your paycheck, it's like a vapor. <laughs> Especially when your bills are on automatic pay. Right? As soon as you deposit, it goes to the car, it goes to the insurance, it goes to your mortgage, it goes... And then you have to talk to your family. This week, we are going to be so spiritual. <laughs> because we are going on a fast. <laughs> Where in truth, the money is gone. John MacArthur said this, too much, day, too much month at the end of the money. Did you get it? Too much month at the end of the money. Why? Because you did not decide to prioritize obeying God's will. There are consequences, my friend. It's like you have coins and then you put it in your pocket but your pocket have holes, so you're walking and the coins are falling. And then by the time you get home, ha! You plant and then you practically harvest nothing. You work two, three jobs. There's still no money in the bank. Could it be that there is some kind of disobedience or delay of obedience in your life? That God says, remove this. 
Stop doing this. Start doing that. Continue doing this. But you're not willing to. And God allows this. So God reminds them in verse 7, consider your ways. Evaluate. God, am I doing something that is not in accordance with your will? That this is happening. If there is something, Lord, will you please show me? So that I can repent and that I can begin to obey you immediately. What is it, Lord? I don't see it. Or perhaps you're on the other extreme. You already see it, but you don't really want to do it. You prioritize yourself over God. So God says, Go up to the mountains, bring the wood, and rebuild the temple. And if you do that, what is God saying? That I may be pleased. That I may be pleased with it and be glorified. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, Whatever you do, be in food or in drink, do all for the glory of God. I'm just a housewife, pastor. Do it for the glory of God. I'm just a day laborer. Do it for the glory of God. Wherever you are, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Because that which you do for the glory of God is your personal act of worship. Do it for God. He says, go up to the mountain, bring the wood, rebuild the temple that I may be pleased. And not only will I be pleased, I will be glorified. If you prioritize God's glory in your life, you will be pleasing God. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I will blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. You prioritize yourself, you prioritize this earth, your riches, what you want over what God wants. I want to have three, four houses so that I can retire. But what is it going to cost you? Well, I don't have time to minister to my family. I don't have time uh, to, you know, to invest in spiritual things because I want to plan for my retirement. What is it costing you? What are you giving up? God says, you look for much, but behold, it comes to little. It's like nothing. Your labor, your work is useless. Why? Because... My house lies in ruin, and you have a nice house to run to. Therefore, because of you, because of your disobedience, because of your delay, the sky has withheld its dew. No rain, drought. The earth has withheld its produce. Why? 
Because of our disobedience. So don't blame God. If as a consequence of our disobedience, there is drought. There is famine. There is lack. When in fact, God wants to bless you. And bless you with a life abundantly. What is it? God says, I call for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and all the labor of your hands. Then God called for it. God called for it. But then, if you follow God's plan, look at Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into this storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. God wants us to prioritize Him. That's why in the area of tithing, He says, bring me the first fruit of your labor. No problem, God. I earn 1000 a week. Uncle Sam will deduct 150. So I will give you base on 850. Is that your first fruit? I'm not telling you. I'm not commanding you. I'm just giving you an example. Because your tithe is between you and God. Personally, I tithe on the cross. Because it is my personal conviction that when God says first fruit, it is the first of everything. Before anyone else comes God. And I have decided on my personal conviction to prioritize God's money over mine. And God challenges us, test me in this. And what will be the result? If you honor God with your money, with your wealth, Look at his promise. Then I will rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Compared to the people, the Jews in the book of Haggai, there is drought. There is no produce. Why? Because they would rather prioritize their own thing than the temple of God that He already commanded to be rebuilt. It's really up to you. I cannot tell you what to do. God has to speak to your heart and you must decide. That's why in the area of giving, the area of tithing, Paul wrote in the New Testament, he said, Already decide in your heart what you will give because the Lord desires a cheerful giver. He even gives a way. Prioritize it. Already set it aside on the first of the month. Why? Because if you do it in the middle or maybe at the last of the month, too much month at the end of the money. Do you know that you can give online? Very easy. And then I can track. Did I miss January or February? Because you have a list. Very easy. But this message is not about tithing. Huh? This message is about 
prioritizing God. Because if I really prioritize God, one way that I can prove to God that I really prioritize Him is through my wallet. Because God owns everything anyway. And all He asks me is to be faithful in a tithe, a tenth. Prioritize God's plan, prioritize God's perspective, prioritize performing God's will, and prioritize God's presence. After God told them all of this through the prophet Haggai, he says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of wow, hirap nito, Jehozak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, here you go, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God have sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people saying, I am with you. God's love language is obedience. Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And if you delay obeying God's commands, if I may say, you're telling God, it's not important. I will obey in time, not just now. So you're taking the risk of possible consequences that God may allow because you're delaying obedience. And delay of obedience, as we all said, is really disobedience. So when they obeyed, when they obeyed, that is the time that God said they have shown reverence. They have shown respect. Why? Because when you obey, it is a sign of reverence that you acknowledge the authority of the one who is telling you to do whatever it is you are being asked to do. Yes or no? Husbands, when you tell your wives to do something and they delay or they do not do it, is that a sign of respect or disrespect? Disrespect. But when you tell your spouse, honey, can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, what else do you want for me to do? Ah, galing. Diba? The husbands feel so blessed. Right? And then when, when the, the wife Husbands are supposed to what? Husbands, love your wives as to the Lord. So, when the husband becomes unloving, mm -hmm. problem. Right? Problem. So, what should you do? When you obey the Lord and you show unconditional love to your spouse, your, your spouse feel so secure in your relationship. And the, your spouse will want to respect you even more. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate your children. So when you give them clear rules and boundaries, then they are able to know what is expected of them and they are able to obey out of love. 
Not grudgingly, but out of love. But if we as parents give them double standard or give them ambiguous rules, unclear, and then because we are unclear, we call their attention or discipline them, they are exasperated. I did not know that this was the rule. You never told me. I just made it up just now. Hello? Children, obey your parents in the Lord and honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. Oh. Did you do your homework? Of course. Not yet. <laughs> obey your parents. Why? If you really prioritize God, you will do it right away. Why? Your parents will be happy that you have high grades because their intention is for you to have a good future, to land a good university, to land a good job. But they will not tell you so that you will become rich and so, so finance them. <laughs> obey! But pastor, I obey. How do you obey? But I obey. That's why it says, obey and what? Honor. Do, children, do what pleases your parents. Well, you never told me you did not give me that command. But don't you like to honor your father and your mother? To please us? Dad, when can I start driving my own car? Okay, when you graduate, if you're Dean's List, I give you a brand new car. Right. And then, hey, can you drive for me? Nah. I got places to go, things to do, people to see. <laughs> but before they had the car, can you buy me a car, even used? You are the priority. But when they get their car, you are still the priority down there. <laughs> because I have things to do, places to go, people to see. But if you obey God, his promises, I am with you, declares the Lord. And if God is with you, you will have success. You will be blessed. Why? Because of the presence of God. Do you remember the story of Joseph? The dreamer? All the people around him said, I see that the hand of the Lord is upon you. The jailer, his, his co-convict, the hand of the Lord is upon you. When God is with you, your family will go closer together. You will grow in love with God together. Is God with you? When they begin to obey, God promised that His presence would be with them. So what did He do? So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Jeltiel, whatever, Jiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozdak, the high priest, and the spirit of all, the remnant of all the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. God is so good that if we decide 
to obey Him, He will supply the power to obey Him. How, how can you not love and serve such a God? Oh, this is what I want you to do. How? Right, it's up to you. Figure it out. No. The moment you commit, okay, God, I'm committing to follow you. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to supply what you need so that you are able to accomplish my will. How can you go wrong? What's our application today? First things first, right? So what's the application? Matthew 6, 33. Some of you perhaps have this as your life verse. What does it say? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What's the application? Seek first His kingdom. Instead of seeking to build your own kingdom, seek God's kingdom first. Why? Some of you might not belong to the kingdom of God yet. Seek first His kingdom. What do you mean, Pastor? Colossians chapter 1. For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you are not in Christ, you do not belong to God's kingdom. So seek first the kingdom of God. And He says, If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. The kingdom of God is not up here. The kingdom of God is in here. So unless and until you have placed your faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ on that cross and, he, and believed that when Jesus Christ was crucified, He carried your sin and mine because He is God's atoning sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world who died in your place, and to prove that He is who He says He is, the Son of God, after three days, He rose again and ascended back into heaven. If you have not believed that, my friend, the kingdom of God is not in you. You may not belong to the kingdom yet. So seek first the kingdom of God. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Second, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Well, Pastor, I already prayed. I already received Jesus Christ. So I'm good. Remember, like two, three weeks ago, I shared with you, without holiness, no one will see the kingdom of God. Positional sanctification or holiness is you having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Progressive or continuing sanctification or holiness is you grow in holiness day after day after day. And permanent sanctification or holiness is when you are finally with Jesus for the rest of eternity. So there is an expectation that after you come to faith in Christ that you will live a righteous or holy life. You cannot live a righteous life in order to be saved. 
But if you are saved, there is an expectation to live a righteous or holy life. I did not say perfect. I said holy, set apart, different from the rest of the world. And as I told you earlier in the beauty of God's economy, look at this. 2 Peter chapter 2, 1 to 3. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ. Paul writes, he has no righteousness of his own, but the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, after you have encountered Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, look at this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted us to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. My friend, if you decide to live a righteous life, after having come to faith in Jesus Christ, God will supply the means by which you can live a righteous life. He has supplied everything. He has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. All you and I need to do is to appropriate it in our lives. Isn't God good? That whatever He commands, He is even willing to supply the means by which we can obey. But we have to do first things first. You cannot live a holy life without having an encounter with the holy God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see the priority? Seek God, seek holiness, and then all these things will be added unto you. But what do we do? We seek the things first. Jesus Christ may be at the last or maybe in the middle. But the priority structure is messed up. You cannot find holiness in worldly things. You can only find holiness in God. You cannot find salvation in your holiness. You can only find salvation in the holiness of God through Jesus Christ. And what are these things? What are these things that Jesus Christ is talking about? And all these things will be added unto you. Well, it's in the previous verse. Do not worry then saying, what will, will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. You see? You see the progression? Don't worry about these things. God has already promised that He will supply these things to you. And Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So it's already given. But worry. Do not worry about these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you see the priority? Seek God. Live a holy life. 
and whatever you need for life and godliness will be supplied. And even your physical needs are taken care of. Is God a good God? But the greatest thing that can be added to me, when my time has come, when I have lived out my life, is his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. For me to be able to come to this point, I have to put first things first. I have to prioritize God's plan. I have to prioritize God's perspective. I have to prioritize performing God's will. And I have to prioritize the presence of God in my life. What are your priorities this morning? Is it to make money? Nothing wrong. Is it to live in a nice house? Nothing wrong. Buy a new car? Nothing wrong. Start a family? Nothing wrong. But is God first in your life? Is God in doing God's will first in your life? If He is not, make Him the top of your list. Seek His kingdom. Are you part? Are you sure that you are part of the kingdom of God? If not, repent of your sin. Turn away from your sin and turn to God for salvation. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness. Stop playing around with God. God wants to change you. And He has given the Holy Spirit to empower you to change. So allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit so that you can change for His glory. And don't worry about all of these things. Because God has promised to supply whatever you lack. And in God's graciousness, He will even grant you the desires of your heart. But what is the condition? Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart so long as we put first things first let's pray god almighty thank you for reminding us that you should come first in everything in our spiritual life in our physical life in everything that we do lord god you and your glory and the honor of your name should come as our first priority so God, I thank you that you thought of us first by sending your son Jesus Christ to take the penalty of our sin, to die as full payment of our sins so that we can have salvation. 
Thank you that you challenge us, you remind us to live a holy life, a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And thank you, Lord God, that you have promised to supply all of our needs. And as we delight in you, Lord God, you will even give us the desires of our hearts. Thank you, God, for being a good and gracious God. Forgive us when we do not prioritize you. Forgive us when we delay our obedience. Forgive us, Lord, when our lives do not bring glory and honor to you. God, may this day be a day of change for everyone here, for those who may yet not be part of your kingdom, that they may believe and receive your Son, Jesus Christ, as their own personal Lord and Savior. For those of us, Lord, to be challenged to live a holy life, knowing that we need not worry about life or what we will eat or what we will wear because if our lives are more important than the sparrows that you take care of, Lord, there is no need to worry. So God, we praise you and we thank you and we honor you this day. Father, we lift up to you Dimples and her family who are going back to Manila this week. Thank you for allowing her to be with her family over here and thank you for consoling them at the loss of their father. Father, we lift up to you my daughter Sarah who's having her surgery this coming Friday. May you hold the hands of the surgeon, Lord God, and may her vocal cords heal quickly and become better than before. Father God, we lift up to you our pastor Danny that as he celebrates another year of your faithfulness in his life, that you will bless the work of his hands, that you will give him good health so that he may serve you all the days that you have marked out for him. And we pray for our coming camp, Lord God, that you will protect Camp Buckhorn, that it will be preserved for the use of your people, and that many who have registered will come and be blessed and get to know you even more. We pray for those of our congregation who are struggling, be it financially, physically, emotionally, or psychologically, Lord God. We lift up to you Hunter Phoenix and Pastor Jonathan and our sister Nicole. Father, will you touch the body of this young man, this young infant, Lord God. And as you touch him and heal him completely, God, may you alone be glorified. And we ask that you will bless us for the rest of the day that you have assigned for us to rest in you. We give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praise with thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Have a blessed Sunday, everyone.